The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. I am, of course, your well-fed host, Paul Leslie. And if you want to help me with my mission, and that mission would be to get more than 16 years of archived interviews out there and into the world. Some of them are sitting on CDs. Some of them are sitting on computer drives. But they need to get out there. I want you all to hear them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. I assure you, any involvement by you is purely optional. Nobody is going to make you do it. Patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. There have been two guests on this show that have made me think of Janie Fricky. That would be Shelby Kennedy and Gary Gentry. The reason why, I will tell you in just a moment. Janie Fricky is one of those country music legends. In this interview, which was taped for the radio days, she shares her fascinating life in country music. She has sung duets with the greatest singers, George Jones, Merle Haggard, and, as I was mentioning, those two songwriters, Shelby Kennedy and Gary Gentry, they wrote a song called Who Cares that she sang with Ray Charles. Ray Charles, of course, being one of the all-time greats of any genre. Also, Janie Fricky holds the distinction of being the first female voice heard in outer space. How about that? We also talk in this interview about her recent bluegrass interpretations of some of her well-known songs. Anyhow, as always, you're welcome to reach out to me. Let me know what you think of the interview. Here is Janie Fricky. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is a CMA and ACM Female Vocalist of the Year, awarded three times now, with 18 number one hits. Janie Fricky is a recording and performing artist. It's a great pleasure to welcome her here. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Paul. It's great to be with you. How are you doing? Very well. Doing good. We're here in Texas. Weather's fine. Love this time of year, and uh, all is well. I think most stories are best from the beginning. I was hoping you could tell us about your parents. Were they musical people? They were. They both loved music. And my dad was playing a little bit of guitar, and when I was a teenager, he taught me how to play a few chords on the guitar, and that's pretty much got me started on that instrument. And then Mother loved piano, and she played at our local church, so my sister and I would lead the hymns every Sunday with with our good old church music, and she was quite a great piano player. Was it mostly church kind of music? hymns, gospel, that kind of things that, that you heard around the house, or what was it? Well, actually, Mother loved all kinds of music, and she would drive to the nearest big city where there was a music store, and she would buy all kinds of music to bring home for us girls to sing, including Broadway show tunes, and I even remember some Italian arias in there, and just a wide mixture of all kinds of songs. Mother loved music, and then, of course, we girls loved the music, pop music of the era, which was Brenda Lee, Connie Francis, and all, all of that. So we, we had music going a lot. Who would you say the vocalists are that have had the biggest influence on you? Well, probably the ones I just mentioned. In 
addition to that, groups like the Andrews Sisters, the McGuire Sisters. There was a whole era of music that I loved. Well, going from, you know, from every five years, ten years, it would go from Barbara Streisand, then it would go to Joan Baez, Judy Collins, Joni Mitchell-type music, and then it would go on into another era, and I would just buy the albums and, and sing along and learn all their different styles. I loved variety of the, of the uh, female vocals, so I was interested in a lot of it. Is this true that you hold the current record for most studio sessions throughout a career? You know, I wouldn't doubt that a bit. <laughs> I know uh, I know, I did hundreds upon thousands of records, singing backup harmonies on people's records, in a vocal group that was one of the most popular vocal groups in town to call on when the producers took their artists into the studio to do an album. They called the Leah Jane Singers, and... So if you look on the backs of your old albums and you see all the credits, it was the Leah Jane Singers on much, much of the music during that time period. I guess that would be in the the late 70s going into the early 80s. And so I would sing the soprano part, the high harmony part, and we we were exposed to the best artists and the best producers of the time. You've also done a number of jingles for a lot of different companies, Coca-Cola, Red Lobster, Pizza Hut. What has that experience taught you? Well, you know, it's just it was a great a great experience being in the studio working with arrangers and musicians and the ad agency people from advertising because every commercial was written differently and of course it was a great lucrative part of the business to be in. And since I could read music, fortunately, from the years mom taught me how to play the piano and sing in a choir and all that, that was a great addition to be able to do that. But I look back and I just think, gosh, I sang on hundreds upon thousands of commercials for all kinds of products. (laughs) It was good. It was real good. The number of artists that you've done backup vocals for, it's just astounding. Loretta Lynn, mm-hmm. Trista Gale, Ronnie Millsap. Is there a particular recording that you especially identify with as a very good recording? Oh, my. Well, you know, like you said, we would go from studio to studio and work three or four sessions a day. We would be in there with Frank Sinatra Jr. at one point. Then we'd be in the next studio with Joe Tex, which was R&B. And then we'd be doing Dottie West or Porter Wagner. And it was just a wide range of people doing their sessions and their albums in Nashville. It was a very busy time in the recording business. So I can't say that there was a favorite because then I went on to sing duet solo step out lines on other people's records and that was a great time, too, to work with all of the different male artists in the business. I think it's very interesting you mentioned Frank Sinatra Jr. out of that list. He was a guest on this show. A very interesting oh. man. Do you have any oh. memories from him? Well, I just remember being in the studio with him and just, you know, amazed that this was Frank Sinatra's son, who looked a lot like him and had a very smooth, nice, easy-sounding voice. And we were just thrilled and excited that Hollywood was coming to Nashville. (laughs) What is it about country music that appeals to you? Oh, I guess probably 
country music appeals to me because of both the simplicity of writing the musical part to a song. I love the very simple straight ahead chording and melodies of it. And then I also like the raw truth that comes out in the lyrics, the very raw truth of life and love and loss and heart heartbreak. So it's just all wrapped up into one big emotional plus as far as I'm concerned. Our special guest is Janie Fricky. You have this album, The Countryside of Bluegrass. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. What gave you the idea to put this bluegrass flavor on your music? Well, actually, there was a record label that approached me. They wanted to do a series of bluegrass CDs, and so they chose me as one of their artists, and we went in the studio with one of the top bluegrass producers, Bill Vorndick, and he gathered together some great Nashville pickers that were the top bluegrass pickers of the time, and we took my hit songs, and they learned them bluegrass style. Now, it was a real change for me to be able to sing my songs with a different approach like that. I've really enjoyed it a lot. It's been a very fun experience. Was there a particular song on there that you felt was the strongest? You know, I think probably You Don't Know Love was one of my favorite ones that came out of that whole group of songs. I liked a lot of them, but we've performed that a lot on stage, and it's it's been very well received. Something that I think is interesting is the number of duets with different singers that you've done throughout your career. I mean, it's a very diverse list from Ray Charles, George mm-hmm. Jones, Merle Haggard. I'm hoping you can tell us about some of those duets that you did. A lot of those singers aren't with us anymore, but these recordings remain. Exactly. exactly. It's been, and to add to that, Mo Bandy and Vern Gostin and even Larry Gatlin, Johnny Duncan, and Merle Haggard, just doing duets with all of these wonderful male artists was just a thrill to me. I couldn't believe they just kept calling. It started with one, and it snowballed, and before I know it, I can go back and think of all of those wonderful records to go in the studio and just be by myself in front of a microphone doing harmony with these great singers. It's just been an amazing Amazing ride, like on a roller coaster ride, but it's all been up. <laughs> it's been some great memories there. What are your memories of Merle Haggard? Oh, I have a lot of memories. We worked shows, we opened concerts for Merle Haggard. Of course, I went out there and worked in his recording studio in California where he wanted me to do a couple of songs. In addition to the ones that were hits, he wanted me to sing on on a song called Kern River and, and a couple others. So he was a very unique person, kind of quiet, kind of, in, you know, very interesting, soft-spoken. He was very nice to me. And, and all of these male artists have just been such huge icons in the music world. Every person I know says, oh, we loved Merle Haggard or we loved George Jones. You know, they just, they were, on, they were tops to everybody. They have great memories. And what about some memories from George Jones? We worked quite a few shows with George Jones during his last few years. And we got to know his band and his wife, Nancy, and go on his bus and sit and talk to him for a few minutes. He was so sweet and friendly. 
in the past few years, he, he was enjoying his life very much. He loved his cattle that he had at his farm back in Tennessee, and he was quite an interesting man. It was, it was great to get to know him. You mentioned at the top of the interview that you live in Texas. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the area that you're in. What is it like? Well, I love Texas. I grew up in Indiana, and I will always love Indiana. That will always be my home place in my heart. But I've been in Texas many, many years now, and I've come to learn the Texas ways, which is totally different from any other place I've been, and the people here, and the weather. It has a lot of lot of pluses to it. It's It's a good place to be from. Is there anything you're working on, or is there anything coming up in the horizons for you? We just work year to year as our booking agent books us on concerts. We just started out our year for booking shows, and they're coming in. Our band gets together, and uh, we go out and do our shows and come home and, and take some time off, so... That's basically our schedule. It's it's a routine that we're used to doing, and I've got a lot of great people working with me, so it's a blessing to uh, still be working and enjoying it. You know, with all of the, the interesting things about your career, the you know, as we mentioned, the the most studio sessions. Another thing is that you're the first female voice on the moon. <laughs> Well, yes. When I was doing commercials, we did commercials for all kinds of products and all kinds of ad agents would come in to ask us to record them. But the company decided to do a commercial to go to the moon on Apollo 12. They wanted to be the first jingle on the moon. So we went in there and sang Apollo 12 with the weather. And it was like a little station ID cut. And it went up on the missile. And it was the first commercial to go to the moon. So I was proud of that. I add that to my other Coca-Cola and United Airlines and McDonald's. And so I do a little thing in my show and tell the audience about it. They just love They think that's so funny. You performed on a lot of very iconic stages and in a lot of places around the world. What would you say has been your favorite place to perform? Oh, my goodness. You know, I can't even imagine where my favorite stage and place would be to perform because they are all so different and and they, you know, they come to mind out of my memory bank here. Probably Reno, Nevada was most memorable. We had elephants as the opening act and the elephants came out on stage And I was shocked to have that as an opening act. And then we came out and did our concert in the casino theater, and it was so much fun. It was just a beautiful setting, and those were great memories. But, of course, we play auditoriums, we play fairs, we play private parties, just all sorts of things. And really, all the audiences are so much fun to meet. They're all different, and we get to sign autographs afterwards, and it makes it a real treat. One of my all-time favorite songs is a classic country song, Please Help Me, I'm Falling. (laughs) Love that song. Yeah. And I was hoping you could tell us about how you came to record that song. That was written by the late Hank Lachlan. 
I think. Is that the, is that, am I correct on that? It was recorded by Hank Lachlan, but it was written by the late Don Robertson. Don Robertson. Oh my. Yeah. See, I had that wrong. Well, I decided I wanted to record that song and I told my first producer was Billy Sherrill, one of the top best producers of all time. He had done all the Tammy Wynette hits and George Jones, I think probably too, but I told him I wanted to do Please Help Me, I'm Falling because I had been to the Opry several times at that period. And, and I said, there's an old country song I want to do, and let's just try Please Help Me. So he let me do it in the studio. And in fact, that's Billy Sherrill singing harmony on the song with me. I never dreamed that my producer would come in and do the harmony part. So I loved the way he did that raw He's from Alabama, I think, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. He did that raw country, male country vocal that I love to hear on records. So I was very honored that Billy Sherrill would sing harmony on my record with me. What is the best thing about being Janie Fricky? Oh, my. I can't even imagine because I'm her, so I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had so many blessings, and I... I just am so thankful for a life that I never imagined to happen and a very wonderful life at that. I've been very protective and very careful, and I think it's paid off, uh, and I'm just uh, so fortunate to have so many great memories. For anyone who's listening out there, what would you say to them? For the listeners out there who are listening to the story that we've been telling it's all true. <laughs> I would just give a piece of advice to to families, to parents, to uh, children, to people my age, to love your family and your children and give them confidence and work with them, give them a lot of love because they can go anywhere they want to go and their world can open up to a great, exciting world with lots of great memories. It's just a matter of feeding that information and that talent and and that support so that would be my advice to families is to keep that door open and to uh, love each other and to practice kindness and with that you can have a lot of special dreams come true and a lot of great memories in your life for more information on our special guest janie fricky you can visit her website janiefricky.com and that's spelled f-r-i-c-k-e Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Bop, bop, dealy, bop, bop, ba-doop, bop, zee, bock, a doodly, not bock, sookie, chacha, cook, a buzz, a look, a buzz, a neck, a book, a get a go, a rum, bock, doodly, zan, ba-dum, a-dack, a party, gay, yeah, a zika, bock, a book, a long, gone, doodly, boo, Goodbye.